This week on a brand new episode of Hello Ross, multi-hyphenate entertainer Todrick Hall stops by to say, Insanely ignorant for me to go and do press in that state. I've watched all 24 seasons of Big Brother now. The, the next one is about to end soon. And all the celebrity seasons. And I've never seen people be that upset. A jury, a jury that would not even stand next to someone. All that and so much more on a brand new episode of Hello Ross. Grey's Anatomy, the most iconic binge-worthy drama, is back, along with answers to the biggest cliffhangers. Will Teddy survive? Will Joe and Link finally find happiness together? Meredith returns along with fan faves like Arizona. You can now stream every episode of Grey's ever on Hulu and new episodes next day. Watch new episodes of Grey's Anatomy Thursdays at 9, 8 central on ABC and stream on Hulu. everybody and welcome to the program. Very exciting day around here. Todrick Hall is going to stop by. You know, I've known Toddy for years and years and years uh, on uh, from RuPaul's Drag Race. I, I've always been a big fan of his. And if you've never seen him in concert, uh, you, you haven't lived. He really is born to be an entertainer and he has been in the headlines uh, lately um lots going on lots swirling around him especially after he competed on uh, celebrity big brother which by the way you know i was on i got second place and america's favorite but that's not important it doesn't matter and sure i agree with you i should have won but i don't even think about it i don't <laughs> but uh you know he was on it's very controversial you know, he, he, it felt like everybody turned against him at the end. You know, I, I want to go into it, but I, I'm, I'm, I'm interested to have a different conversation. I don't want to go into what happened when he was in the house. And if you don't know, I'll explain slightly, but so Big Brother is this show where these people live in a house and you compete for head of household and then you're nominated for eviction. You can win power of veto and take yourself off the chopping block. It's, it's a really like, um, psychological game it's very 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 intense I was a big fan ever since season one and when they did a celebrity version I was like I know they're gonna ask me I don't want to do it but I know they're gonna ask me and they did ask me and so I did it and I competed really hard I think you need to if you get the chance ever to go into the big brother's house compete to win and Todrick did. He competed really hard. And he is also like a, you know, a talker. And when you're living with cameras on you 24 hours, you're certainly going to say a few things you regret. He did. What's fascinating to me, though, is more about what happened after that. So if you're looking for like the nitty gritty of like holding his feet to the fire of you're a bad person, why did you say that? It's not going to happen here. All right. And I don't want anyone to be like, Ross, you went light, you went easy on him. I'm not going to go easy on him because the conversation we're going to have is what it felt like being the person not in the house, but coming out of the house, realizing that everybody was mad at you. Because when you're in there, your world is as big as those four walls. And it's, it, unless you have done it, you cannot completely get it. I get it. I understand that when he went in that house, he was playing a game as a celebrity. And when he came out, he was like on the verge of being quote, canceled question mark. He refused to be canceled, which I, you know, got to give him credit for. You have to, but what did that feel like? That's the conversation I want to have. Okay. So coming up, we're going to be having that conversation with Todrick Hall 
from uh, God, everything. You know, he's a singer, actor, dancer, director, all of it. <laughs> what, what can't he do? Well, maybe we'll find that out too. Tajik Hall, it's a very fascinating conversation coming up. We're going to go there. We're going to go deep. I may not get every answer that you want, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try to get the human story. So stay tuned for that. That's coming up. I do love reality television. You know, I, you know, I'm married. Thank you so much. Uh, it's almost six months now we've been married. It's the best. It's the absolute best. I'm so happy. My, my Wellington, he's just phenomenal. The thing though, is that we watch TV together. We love that. Get through the day, have dinner, debrief, and then watch our stories like old men. And, and I, okay. Truth. The only bad thing about marriage is that if he's gone for a night, let's say he has a late meeting, which he does tonight, I can't watch our TV. I can't because we watch the same TV. So I can't like watch an episode and then lie to him and like rewatch it with him. We have a sort of an unspoken rule that we only watch these shows when we're together. You know, I'm talking the 90 day fiance. I'm talking that house of dragon show, which is this, uh, the prequel to the game of Thrones. And I don't understand either. So we have to pause and he explains it to me. Um, uh, what else do we watch? A uh, UK 90 day, a lot of the 90 day shows. I, I don't want to get into it cause I'm not pr- very proud of it, but Speaking of reality shows, I have found a reality show, you guys, that I can actually watch now. Well, the thing about Wellington is he loves food like I do, but he has no interest in seeing how it's made. Anytime, like on a Saturday morning, I always watch the Barefoot Contessa. He'll walk out and go, disgusting, no matter what she's doing. He doesn't like to see food prepped. I love it. So I also take the train into the city here on Long Island. I I love taking the train because it's a little me time. I get in there with my iPad. I do like work on the way into the Drew Barrymore show. I look at the stories we're going to talk about. I do my research or read about them. But on the way home, it's like an hour of just me and I can watch whatever I want. And so I found the show that is, um, that Wellington has no interest in watching. It is reality. It is food. It is the great. British Bake Off, which for some reason I haven't watched. I've always been like, oh, it's British. You know, I won't understand the language, (laughs) but uh, I'm in. Oh, I'm so hardcore in. It is produced so differently than American TV. It's like, you know, it's like little music like that. And then they're all just so proper. You know, in American reality television, how they're like, you know, you bitch, go fuck yourself. You freaking beep, 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 right? This one, they're like, your sponge cake is very airy and light. That's the kind of drama I'm looking for right now. (laughs) That's that is what I want when I'm sitting there alone watching my stories. And I, uh, I, I have like 12 seasons now to get into you guys. I'm almost done with one season. And so for my, my entire fall and winter, whenever I have a moment alone is going to be the great British Bake Off. Where have I been? I apologize. But here I am now. And if you want to watch, watch with me. These people are fascinating. I love reality TV because it puts people who probably never would have been on TV before just because they maybe don't have the personality or they're shy or they're whatever. And let's be quite honest, like, you know, some of them are not the most gorgeous people in the world. God bless. And and the reason I like it is because those are my people. You know, in a different world, I never would have been on TV. So I like the fact that reality shows give these people who, who maybe couldn't have told their stories a, a platform. That's why I watch it. 
<laughs> I'm just so fascinated. It's also precisely why I didn't want to do Celebrity Big Brother. I hadn't. I just had no interest. I was like, I, I don't. I have a skill set. I'm. I'm. A, I'm a, a host. You know what I mean? I don't want to be just on a reality show to be on a reality show. But I loved, love Big Brother. That's why I said yes. It's also why when I watched Todrick Hall on there, I, I just felt for him, because as someone who had done it, just just before him who had played hard as well. I knew what he was trying to do. He thought he was playing by the rules of the game. And yes, he said things he shouldn't have said. But I dare you to go into a house being recorded 24 hours a day for a month away from your family and and not say something that you probably shouldn't have said. If you can look me in the eye and tell me you, you could stand by everything you said and not maybe say something that you didn't totally absolutely mean, then we could talk. But I don't think you can. Tark and I have that in common. We both went on Celebrity Big Brother. He he had a very different experience than I did. He hasn't really talked about it publicly. But when we come back, Todrick Hall is going to open up to us. He said nothing's off limits in this conversation. So there are things I'm going to choose to avoid talking about. You probably know what they are. And there are, there are things I really want the answer to. We're going to get those answers. Because when we come back, Todrick Hall is here to say... Hello, Ross. Welcome to Talkville, the ultimate Smallville rewatch podcast. Title Transference aired October 27, 2004. Director James Marshall, writers Todd Slavkin, Darren Swimmer. I really like this episode, and I'm surprised that you don't like it as much as you thought you did. I actually respect your opinion more than I respect my own in general. (laughs) (laughs) When you say things are good and I check them out, they are. Jump in now or catch up on any of the past seasons of Talkville on YouTube or wherever you listen. Hi there. Sorry for the interruption, but are you enjoying this show on Google Podcasts? You should know that the Google Podcasts app is going away this spring. That's right, going away, gone, as in no longer available. You can still enjoy this show elsewhere, though. Try out Spotify or Amazon Music, or maybe TuneIn is more your style. Whatever app you switch to, be sure to follow so you never miss the next episode. And thanks for listening, wherever you listen. Hello, Ross. Todd, Rick. Oh, my God. You know, it has been too long since we've seen each other in, in person. How long has it been? I feel like I want to say it was a, two or three years ago. I feel like I saw you at a drag brunch one morning, and that was the last time I saw you. Yeah, that does sound like me. Uh, I do love brunch. It does combine two of my three favorite meals, and I do love a drag brunch. You know that. I was thinking about how to introduce you, Toddy. I'm thinking like, you know, singer, songwriter, performer, actor, Broadway star. You have four studio albums. I mean, how would you define it? How would you define what you do? How would you introduce yourself? I would just say an entertainer of all things entertainment. If I haven't done it, it's something that I would love to do soon. So we might as well put it in there, you know, acrobat. Oh, acrobat. Oh, you better stretch. You know, who knows what the future holds for me. I do like that you are so able to do so many different things. Cause that's, you know, before I sit down with somebody, I really like to think about them and like, think about the way I put it, what their superpower is, you know? 
And I think, I really think your superpower is that you can't help but create things. Yeah. I think that, I think that that is like a blessing and a curse in my life. Like I love to create. I wake up every single day and all I think about is creating. And sometimes I don't really think about like actual reality in life. Like I just think about creating. And so I love that, but it's also difficult at times. But you know what you think about like the greats, that's what they do is like Lady Gaga can't not create, you know, the, the Madonna can't not create. It's just like in your blood. Were you like this as a little Did you grow up like in like a uh, Texas, like the yeah. panhandle of Texas? Yeah. Come okay. So search. Yeah. Oh yeah. Of course I do my research, but so we're, we're similar that way. I grew up in a little small farm town and I would have to create, I'm not calling myself one of the greats. I'm, I'm just saying like, we have that in common where like, I would even I put like, well, you have a great point. Thank <laughs> you. I would put Play-Doh on my brother's GI Joes and make little uh, tissue dresses for them with tape and Kleenex. And I put on little fashion shows. I just, I have that need. And when I look at what, what you've done, from American Idol to performing on Broadway to all your albums and your tours, that's where I, uh, that's where my mind goes to about you. It's like, can you turn it off ever? I don't think I could turn it off. And it has been since I was a child. When you're talking about making Play-Doh dresses, I think about myself as a child. I was obsessed with like creating paper mache worlds and trying to reenact the Disney Christmas parade in my street with whatever I had access to at that time. I remember building worlds out of just the the rolls of the toilet paper rolls. And I would have my whole family and church like collecting those rolls so I could turn them into like people and like I'd turn them into characters and build castles and live inside of them. So I was always just one of those those kids that was just a little bit different and and creative. Katie, can you imagine if you hadn't been able to turn this into a career, how just like that innate characteristic of yours, that innate ability to create just would have gone crazy if you couldn't have made it your life. I mean, what would you, what would Todrick Hall be doing? We can't even narrow it down with everything you've done to like one word of what you do entertainer. But if you weren't entertaining, what would you be doing? You know, when I was younger, I wanted to be a zoologist when zoo books were like all the rage and all the boys were like reading zoo books and doing Boy Scouts. Like I remember doing ballet at Boy Scouts and they have like rules that you can't be gay in Boy Scouts, which is very strange. Like, how do you know that a young boy is gay or not? You know, wait, do they still but, have those uh, rules? Can you? Well, I, I don't know because I haven't been a Boy Scout in a long while, Ross. Wow. But, um, so wait, you but, wore um, like I a was, uniform? No, I have too many oh, Boy Scout questions now. Tell me everything. Was it a khaki uniform? What did you learn as a Boy Scout? It was like a blue top with like, it looked kind of like reminiscent of what um, the little boy looks like in Up. Like it looked very like that khaki pants, like in a blue shirt. I mean, different color scheme, but same concept. And I wasn't in it very long. We built tree houses. We went into the woods and like went camping. And I I just never really enjoyed it. So, um, but I, I loved dancing and stuff. So I would always be doing ballet with the other boys were like, I don't know, hunting or whatever. What did your parents do when like they have this little boy and then all of a sudden the boy wants to like prance around the panhandle of Texas? What are they doing? What are they thinking like, oh no, or are they fostering you? What, what happened? Well, I was fortunate enough to be raised pretty much as a single parent by my mother and my grandmother. Mm -hmm. And my grandfather was in the picture. And also I had a stepdad who's been there since I was very young, but he wasn't super involved in like, you know, it, it, I was very aware that he was a stepfather and like, I really only needed to get, um, he, he was respectful of the relationship I had with my mom. So he didn't really interfere 
with whether or not I could dance. And I am really, really grateful to have had the mom that I had because she definitely supported me dancing and doing creative things. I had a, a, a teacher when I was six or seven years old, like um, put me in the gifted and talented program in, um, in my elementary school. And they took us to go see the Nutcracker Ballet and Fiddler on the Roof. And I was bit by the bug immediately. And like, uh -huh. I could tell that other kids in my school were like bored, like ready to just felt tortured at the Nutcracker. And I was obsessed with it. And not just like the things that a normal kid would be obsessed with. I was obsessed with the backdrops and how they flew yeah. in and out and the, the, the smoke machines and the orchestra and what it smelled like, what it sounded like when they were warming up. Why are they doing this? What is a scrim? How can I like not see behind it and then all of a sudden see it? What is this magic? What are the costumes? How do they fly? Like I had so many questions and my teacher could just tell that I was gonna be one of those kids that was really, um, that would take that like little seed that was planted at a young age and just run with it and never stop. I so relate to that. I think, you know, if you're a kid and you're exposed to something, I remember seeing Annie, my mom took me to see like the local high school production of Annie. And I remember like the little, like the girl was the lead. And then I saw her like two days later on, uh, on the street in our little farm town. And I was like, I, my mind couldn't reconcile that that person on stage was like a real human being. And I just, I remember thinking like, oh my God, I want to interview those people that are on the stage. And isn't that funny that we tap into yeah. that so young and then you just can never shake it for the rest of your life. I think it's such a blessing and so fortunate because a lot of people spend their whole life and, you know, I've dated a couple of people or known and been close with people who are in their mid twenties, mid thirties, and you ask them what they want to do and they don't have a passion. So I think mm. we are some of the lucky chosen, blessed, you know, ones that, that find out what it is that we want to do at a very, very young age. Cause that doesn't happen to some people. Are you haunted by that though? Sometimes though, because when I think about like my biggest fear is not living up to my potential, not doing what I would, you know, supposed to be here to do. Does it haunt you? Is that part of the drive? It doesn't really haunt me, but I do sometimes fear that I will be the jack of all trades, master of none. I mean, every time I start an interview, people ask me that same question that you asked. They don't ask the question, but they're confused as to like how to introduce me. And I don't hear that when people introduce some other artists that I know and love because Beyonce is a recording artist first. She's a, like a recording superstar diva that then has a other like little, you know, multi hyphenates underneath that. But, um, but I think that sometimes what haunts me is like, will you ever achieve greatness if you don't pick one thing that you are good at and become incredible and outstanding at and make that be the thing that you're known for, or the thing that you leave behind as your legacy? That's where I am now. Um, yeah, I see that in your last album too, sort of merging. That? I see that in your last album too, merging two things, Femulin. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. Like there, there you are as well. It's sort of a theme for you is sort of, merging different aspects of, of who you are into your art. Yeah, I, I try to do that as much as I can because I'm not really necessarily that great at like being Todrick, like on camera, like even in this situation, I know you so well, but I can become sort of uncomfortable or awkward um, just talking to people, but I feel the least awkward when I'm singing, dancing, performing. So if I have something to say, I oftentimes try to express it with my music or lyricism or melodies or with dance or whatever, as opposed to trying to to speak it because I have so much to say and my mind is going a million miles a minute so I can become very, very long winded and not sometimes talk for an hour and never get to the point. You know, that's so interesting. You say like you're more comfortable 
being Todrick on stage. I, I get it. I get what you mean by that. Like when it's like one-on-one -on -one and there's eye contact, it's almost more difficult than being in front of a thousand people. Why, why do you think that is? I don't know, because I for think that there's, you know, for, I think there's a form of escapism and being on stage and like being able to be either a, a, a superstar version of yourself, a, a, a brand that you've created version of yourself, as opposed to being real and raw. But also I love, I'm an actor, so I love playing different characters. And when I put on a costume or a wig or put on the makeup, I, I just forget that Todrick ever existed. And I love mm. the idea of like embodying someone else and then put it, leaving it in the dressing room for the next day. That's why Broadway is always been my first love and the thing that I will probably always come back to. But I think for me specifically, I, I have, I'm an Aries, I'm a go-getter and I'm very, very honest to a fault. And I think sometimes it's difficult even for me in my thirties to understand that a lot of people can't handle your pure honesty. And a lot of people find it difficult to be honest and real and raw with you. So now it's always like a delicate dance of how much, how much honesty do you give to someone? How close are you actually to someone who says they're your friend or, you know, they're like, I love you. I'm like, do you really have real love for me? Or is that just a sentence you say as a salutation to someone, you know? Yeah. Do you, do you struggle with that? I see we're friends on, in personal life too, on like, uh, on Facebook, like the real one, yeah. you know what I mean? Like not the yeah. big one. And um, I do see you sort of like struggling with fame sometimes too and letting people close in and you have been, um, what, what word would you use? You have been wronged in the past, you feel? I've been wronged and I've wronged people and I think that that's okay to admit and accept and, and I've made a lot of mistakes, but I'm, I struggle with being proud of the things that I've done because I'm an independent artist and some people don't know that. I'm basically a YouTuber who makes music videos. I don't have a record label. I don't have management and I don't have people who help me produce the work that I've done. So sometimes that can be really difficult to um, navigate the criticism because the comparison that there is nobody that I know of that's really doing what I do. There's not recording artists that are putting themselves on these big world tours by themselves with no help. It's, it's not something I'm proud of. I would love to have help, but I haven't found the right person that understands the complexity of what it means to be a black gay recording artist in 2022 hmm. because there's not that many of us and um and and somebody who's making music specifically for a gay audience because i love the lgbtq plus community so much so i feel very like alone in that sense sometimes and like sometimes the criticism that's coming towards me is from people who I feel think that I have like an endless amount of resources because what they see on a surface level watching TV or from social media or even from a narrative that I've created with my songs and my lyrics and what I post for whatever reason, there's like a disconnect there. And that's what I more struggle with than the fame aspect of it. But fame is hard it, and, and it is difficult to know who you can trust and you know, I don't know. I I have found dating and having real relationships and working relationships sort of difficult with with yeah. the verified check that has come into my life. Interesting. Yeah, drama sort of finds a little bit. I mean, we can go and I I have I just want to say this out loud. We have not talked about this like like any parameters or anything. I, I don't want to rehash anything, but I do want to talk about Big Brother a little bit. Okay, I, I don't none of the specifics. I I sent you a message when you uh, uh you were in Celebrity Big Brother, and there was a lot of yeah. drama. 
right? And so I sent you a message afterwards um, because I know what it's like being in, in that house. I was on the first season of Celebrity Big Brother. We actually talked before you went in, right? And it is so such a unique experience until people live it to know what it's like to be in a house. One, of course, you're being taped all the time, but also you even your closest person, you don't know if you can trust them and you're, you know what I mean? It is a yeah. game, but it becomes intense when you're in there. And, um, you know, I know you got a lot of flack and uh, for saying certain things. And I just would say to anybody, like, put a camera on you 24-7 and stand by everything you say. We flap our jaws a lot. Okay. Blah, blah, yeah. blah. <laughs> but I want to know, I wanted, all I was worried about, and that's what I said in my message to you, is how was your heart when you were there and realizing, like, oh, my God, these people are mad at me. Oh, my God. What is waiting for me when I come out of the house? Oh, my God. Is this little silly game going to affect my livelihood and my life? I mean, is that what was going through your mind in those moments of exiting the house? It was probably the most difficult thing that I've ever gone through. And I remember, by the way, knowing you first and then being asked to be on Celebrity Big Brother 2. So I went back and watched CBB1 where you were on and I knew you. So there were moments that you would do things that I'd be like, well, that doesn't really feel like Ross, but I wasn't familiar with the game. So as I... And I remember people being upset with you. I don't know if you remember this even, but when they came back, they were like, were you ever our friend, Ross? Like, and you were like, you know what I thought? Like, we're playing a game. Hi. Like, you know, like if we play poker and yeah. I get, you know, four of a kind, that doesn't mean I don't like you, honey. I just won the game. You know, <laughs> like that's what we're doing here. Yeah. No, I remember, I remember very vividly. I didn't remember it until I called Marissa. And to me, she was the fairy godmother. I didn't know that I had, didn't know that I needed. And she was the person that made me be able to exhale for the first time. And she reminded me that people were like upset with you for things that you said in the game. And then I went back and became a super fan because I loved that season, loved you on it so much and realized how the game was played. And I know that oh, yeah. you were a fan of the show. So I think that my heart was like a little bit crushed because I felt like I played an incredible game. I felt like I was as honest as I could be in a game that is created for you to backstab and manipulate or whatever to get to the end. And I also felt like a lot of people were judging the, what they saw on television as who I am as a person. And while it is a reality show, m much of what you see on Big Brother, that is a, a social experiment. It's you are. like a lab rat in there. Um, and I never realized how much I like catered my life to be comfortable and how much we all cater our lives to be comfortable. I never spent that much time in a house with that many straight oh, men ever. Um, I never, it was, it was, that was hard for me. It was really, really difficult for me. And I also wake up every day and have so many like vices and tools and I sing so much and I dance so much. And when you're in that house, you're not allowed to sing. You can't quote movies. Because they're all legal things. The you can't, you know, you Marissa would always sing too. And like the big voice overhead, no singing would come on. So it really does test you and, and, yeah. and it's harder than, than people imagine. But, but what I felt for you is that like you went in to play a game and when you came out, it was, it was personal. Yeah. And I felt like no one voted for me based on the game or the rules of the game that we were playing because it shouldn't be about how many wins or losses you have. It's like the whole picture. How well did you play? How was your social game? And I understand now that that's why they implemented the jury house for regular seasons, because it is very difficult for people to disassociate your game and what you do or what you might even say that's personal in a moment of frustration, because normally we can go home and lay down and relax and cool off, but you can't do that in that house. Um, 
So that was really, really hard for me. I, I've never said this out loud, but after it was done, they wanted to take press photos and people would not stand next to me. And Todd Bridges was like, I'm not gonna stand next to him. And I was like, you know, Todd Bridges has gone through unimaginable things in the press and he has been forgiven and been given second, third chances. And I have nothing but love for Todd, but sometimes his mentality and the way he looked at the world was very frustrating for me. But overall, I loved him and I looked at him like he was an uncle. And I still do. If I saw him, I wouldn't have any like animosity towards him. But for you to say that you're not going to stand next to someone, it felt like a very, I mean, no one would stand next to me. Mariah and Carson and Misha were like, I'll stand next to him um, and Cynthia would, but the rest of the house was like, I won't even stand next to him. And um, I just felt like that was, and maybe Lamar would have, um, but I just felt like this has become extra, extra, extra personal. And I have not murdered anyone. I haven't broken the law. I didn't break the rules of the game. I played a great game. And I, I, I never would have thought that people would sign up to go into a show for a month, give away their freedoms, leave their children, their pets, their loved ones to play a game if they didn't know how the game was played, I would never do that. So when people told me that they weren't familiar with the game, I was like, yeah, that's a classic big brother trick to throw me off. So like, I never believed it. And when I got out of the house, I was like, bitch, they really did not know this game and they are really salty that you, yeah, that I believe you, you manipulated now. them. I want to know what yeah. it was like when you go home because yeah. well, there was, I just want some clarification. They wouldn't take pictures with you. And then there was, there was the reports that like you didn't do press that, that day. Were you just like, I, I need to get my bearings on what's ha happening right now. Is that why you wanted to be alone? I felt like it would be insanely ignorant for me to go and do press in that state. I've watched all 24 seasons of Big Brother now. The, the next one is about to end soon. And all the celebrity seasons. And I've never seen people be that upset, a jury, a jury that would not even stand next to someone. Um, so I was like, I think that I have, and I was unaware that I was going to be that canceled when I got out because there were things that were happening in the house between you and I that are were, that were just to me like far above anything that I said or did in the house, which doesn't make the things that I did or said right. But I just didn't think that that was what I was going to be coming out to. And so I just didn't do press because I felt like you need to watch this and understand because they're going to ask you some difficult questions that you might not have answers to because the way you perceived your experience in the house is not the way people were leaving. I mean, Todd Bridges told me I played the best game and then told Julie that he would vote for me and then came back rolling his eyes during my speech and wouldn't stand next to me or acknowledge me or speak to me, you know? So I was like, this is this, I need to go unpack this and see what it was. It wasn't that I didn't want to do press. And I'm happy, honestly, that I didn't do press. It wouldn't have done anything. And I think the people, I'm under the misconception that sometimes if you give people evidence and if you say something that makes sense that people will be like okay but the reality is a lot of the people that watch that show or people who are hating you online they don't really want to know the truth or your opinion or something that makes sense they want to pick what you say apart and use it as ammunition to hate you more or evidence to support why you are the person that they yeah. hope that you would be and so i didn't feel like i needed to get to say anything um what about when you got home tell me about when you got home that night how was your heart? I really wanted to just drive to your house, you know, and, and I, and I want to say, cause people are going to be listening to this now and be like, but he said this, but he did that. Okay. Got it. Right. We've all done said this, that regret, but we are, you're, all said that. you're a, you are a human being, right. Who has this career, this light in the public eye, you go home. Um, 
I can only imagine like how scared you must have been. Like you used the word canceled. You weren't canceled, but you, there was a lot yes, of hate. I mean, look at you now you're on tour. You just finished a tour. You're clearly not, you're selling out arenas. So you're good. But like your heart in that moment, what did it feel <laughs> like? What did it feel like, Toddy? Well, I have been canceled several times before. This is not my first time at the rodeo, but every time before this, I have gone online and I've looked at YouTube videos and reviews and Twitter. And when I got home, my best friend, Jenny, who I love so much, who you know from Drag Race, she was mm -hmm. assisting me all the time when I was on the show. She, um, she, she was like, it's really bad, but I love you and I know you're gonna make it through this. And I deleted all the apps and I never, even to this day, have never gone on to see what people were saying about me because it. I know what happened in the house. I know what I experienced and, um, and I know who I am as a human. And so I was honestly, like I was devastated and I felt like there was, you know, there were people who stopped following me, who unfollowed me, people that I thought were friends who, told me that they didn't want to talk to me anymore because they've seen who I am, people who know me in person and who I've gone through really difficult things with. And it kind of, for the first time in my life, I had this really like serene moment where I was like, if someone will jump ship at, at this moment, then let them go because you have enough people in your corner. And it really showed me who my real friends were because a lot of my friends sent me messages of love like you did. And some people distanced themselves from me because they didn't want to be associated with it until they saw, oh, people are coming to his concert. He's fine. And then they showed up. But I was kind of side eyeing them like, whatever. But it, I, I didn't sleep for days, like stayed up all night and I was, I was devastated as a huge fan of the show. I was just, I was devastated and I didn't know how I would ever be able to watch the show again, but then I started watching it again. I've never watched my season. That was my question. Okay. Two, two questions. You said you'd never watched your season. Um, fascinating. Yeah. I didn't really need to either. People were like, are you going to watch episodes? I'm like, no, I, I watched some clips and some things, but I mean, I lived it. I know. I know what it was. Yeah. yeah. And I'm good. And you know what really happened what? versus the, you know, what really happened versus the version that comes out onto TV. I think that those live feeds are the devil. <laughs> I think that if they're going to have live feeds, they need to have them on forever nonstop because the live feeds give people the ammunition to feel like they know everything. And the live feeds only show two rooms at a time and they cut off when something gets too racy. If something's too racy or whatever, too, show on live feeds, then I think it's probably going to have a ripple effect on the house. Interesting. And but you still watch it. You said like you, like you just, there obsessed. was a, there's a regular, see, now I can't watch it anymore. Todrick. I have like flashbacks. It was really because people are listening to us thinking like, Oh my God, they're complaining about living in a house on TV. But like you have 10 hours locked away by yourself where all you can go is spiral deep into your head. I mean, I went places internally in my mind that uh, I'm actually grateful for now because it made me figure some shit out, but the, you, you just go, it is so much harder than people think. And um, hmm, I'm, I really have just, I was sending you so much love during that time because it became so personal. I want, thank you for talking to me about it. You know, I, I, I wanted to. Yeah, I feel safe with you and I haven't really spoken about it that much with other people because I just don't feel like it's a safe environment, but I have, now become like the big brother therapist, the uh, the, the official big brother psychiatrist. Um, like so many people who have gotten out of the show this season who have been being canceled have reached out to me online and I've gotten on the phone and formed friendships with them. Um, so many people who were winners and like fan favorites from the seasons previous to me, like sent me messages, like, you know, just 
affirming to me what I felt was true. And Julie was really sweet in all of her interviews saying that I didn't break any rules and like that, you know, like she, she helped me realize what reality was. Julie Chen, um, the host, right? Julie Chen, the host. Yeah. I, I watched, you know, some of the interview clips that she, what she had to say. And I adore Cynthia Bailey for sticking by what she said she would always do. She said she would vote for me no matter what. And she felt I was playing a good game and, um, and she voted for me and we we're still really good friends. Um, but I, I think that that show is so difficult and I have been guilty of watching TV before and being like, I hate that person. They're stupid. They're rude. They're evil. And now I had the, the, the gift of being able to host the, almost the entire last season, tw season 23 in the cookout. Um, and I was able to like meet them on a personal level and realize like, you don't know anybody until you know them. Yeah. And even when you think you know them, you don't know them. So I've started to give everyone more grace than I think I would have ever done without an experience like Big Brother. So I'm, I'm, I am really happy. People ask me all the time, would you do it again? Would I, Todrick, now experiencing what I've experienced, go into the house again? Absolutely not. But am I glad, like you said, I thought about things and looked at my life and my existence in a way that I never had because I always had phones and things to distract me. Uh, I don't know that I would advise someone to go on that show, mm. Um, mm. but it messes up a lot of people in the head and they offer you a, a psychiatrist and a therapist, but you don't even want to talk to their person. You're Did like, you take the last it? Thing I want to do. Did you talk? No. To yeah, because when you no. exit, they do have a person there waiting to talk to you. And they, they, they weren't like, Toddy, stick around for a minute. We should talk. They were. And I was like, I, I'm good. I'm going home and I don't want to have anything to do with this show on a performance level ever again. Um, just because I didn't feel protected and I didn't feel like, you know, I'm never a person to blame it on the edit. I said everything that they said, and there were some things I said that were worse than what was was on the live feeds that I'm glad never made the live feeds, to be honest. Um, but I, I, I know that there were moments where they protected certain people in the house and turned off the, 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 the cameras. And the, and the feeds. And I also know that they brought people upstairs to the, to the diary rooms to say, be careful what you're saying this, like you could be canceled or whatever. They knew the entire time that I was being perceived a certain way outside. And I would have loved to have been given that same grace that they gave other people in the house mm -hmm. to say, be careful what you're saying, because I, while I'm an adult and I have full agency over my body and my mouth, and I knew that some of the things I was saying weren't great. But I also never, ever imagined that other people's things weren't going to also be there. So I was like, we'll all be canceled equally and hmm. it'll just be part of life, you know? So you um, wish that, so that the would, production would have protected you a little bit more from that? Yeah, I wish that they would have given me, if you're going to bring one person into the house because they're saying problematic things or things that are could be perceived a certain way, you should do it for every single person in the house. It should be like a fair, you know, playing field. And I should not have expected that, but... I do, I, and I'm not mad at them, but I don't, I don't respect that decision to not give me the same grace that they gave to other people. Hmm. Um, and you're not going to tell me, you're not going to tell me who. I will tell you who, I'm not going to tell you who on camera. <laughs> Understood. Under, I, you know, I had to ask Toddy, you know, I had to ask. Yes. Yes. Um, can I'm sure I, you can imagine. I, I have an idea. Um, uh, I want to change subjects and I appreciate your, your, how candid you were talking about that. And to the audience, I want to say, like, I didn't text Toddy before and say, can we even talk about this? I would have accepted a, I'm not going to talk about this. That that would have been fine yeah. too. Okay. So thank yeah, you. Thank you. Babe. 
Thank I you. appreciate that. Of course. Uh, I want to talk about some, some of my favorite work. Um, I, we have to talk about Taylor Swift. Um, you need to calm down that video that you co-executive produced. You won an MTV award for that. There were so many of our mutual friends in there. I'm furious that I was not invited to be in that music video, but <laughs> that's gotta be, you, uh, you collab with her on, on so much. Is there going to be more with her? I would love for there to be many, many more projects with her. I, I think she's such an incredible human being. And the things that I have learned from her are, are things that I think about every day and I take with me every day when I move and navigate through this because she has gone through the unimaginable and had her like deepest, darkest of like private conversations put on display for people to see. And she's still such a warrior and still like she moves like Michelle Obama through the world. She says, when they go low, I'll go high or I'll write it into a song, yeah. you know, like, and um, even in that and, video, she had Katy Perry come on at the end of that video and they had had this, you know, alleged beef and whatever, Wh whose idea was that to sort of have some unity there in, in that, in that music video? I don't want to speak for Taylor, but I think that it was Taylor that reached out to her. But I also think that um, Katy Perry had previously sent an olive branch, like an actual olive branch to, Katie, to Taylor. And um, I thought that was really sweet. And I think she posted that online. But I do know that um, Katie and Taylor wanted to make sure that it was real and not just for show or views or clicks. And they had a conversation where they both like talked everything out. I love that. And I don't know if they've spoken about that, but I think that that is huge. I mean, Taylor is just such a huge supporter of all women. And like, there's no part of her that's like catty or rooting for other women to not to not be successful. And that was one of my favorite things about being so close to her to get to watch her go through everything and always be uplifting Camila and, uh, and, and Ariana, she loves her and thinks she's so funny and so talented. And, um, you know, like I've just heard her say such great things about like Selena and Gigi and all of the people that she's close with, Kara, all of, all of the girls that she hangs out with. I, I don't, feel like I see that as much as I would like to in the real world. And so I think for someone who is on such a huge platform to be showing how much it doesn't take away from your stardom and your shine that you uplift another woman. In fact, it actually makes you two shine brighter together. Um, that's one of the things I've learned from her. And I try to do that with other gay men because we as gay men can be very catty and I love huh. uplifting other queer artists and other queer entrepreneurs. You that do do that. You, yeah, you know what's something, always. and I, you know, I want to say you put your money where your mouth is at your concert when I went to go see you. Which, and if you have never seen Todrick in person, you 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 must. You put on such a phenomenal show. But there's there's one break where you go change. You know, like just so the lights go down, and in that break, you put up uh, the Instagram pictures and handles of queer artists that you think are amazing that your audience should follow. What I mean is that that's the whole point, right? That's what you're talking about. What Taylor does sticking with other yes. women, taking care of our community. Our, and we do that for our community. Why is that so important to you? It's so important because I know how hard it is. There's such a huge double standard in the industry and people might sign you, but they're not going to potentially put the same gusto behind you and your career and your fame and success level as they would somebody who there's already been a blueprint that proves that a you know, a Justin Bieber can be successful or, you know, like there, there's all already, if there's, if you're walking in a, down a lane that someone has walked down a similar lane before, it's easier to get 
you know, the support. And so if I have fans that are in a room that these are the fans you want, the people who are going to buy tickets, who are going to spend their hard earned money to come and support you, then I want to tell them people that I also appreciate who are in the same boat as me, that I think that they will go and support. And it actually works. A lot of my fans have started to like follow Vincent and M&EK and Kim Petras and, you know, and, uh, we are all like fighting for the same thing, equality and for our voices and our great music to be heard um, on a mass level. And so I love, love, love trying to do everything I can to uplift other people. And some people have come to my show, seen that and done something similar in their shows. And I, I would love to see that happening more for other queer artists. Well, I think that's what we need to do to help each other out. Hey, uh, yeah. our listeners have some questions for you. It's the final yeah, five. Like All right. Up first, Jojo says, you've been on American Idol, Big Brother, The Masked Singer. What other show would you want to compete on? And I, I can, I, I'm asked to do a lot of these shows, like come on this celebrity. And I always like usually say no. As many as I've done, I'm like, I can't do that. But, you know, sometimes as a competitive person, Toddy, you want to get in there and you want to do it. Yeah. <laughs> Um, I think that maybe I would do Dancing with the Stars one day just because I think I love like Latin and ballroom and I dance, but I've never done anything like that. So I think that would be really, really fun, but not something that I necessarily want to do now. But I think that's the only show that I would really want to do. I would do Mass Singer again in another country because I had so much fun doing you did. that. I, I want to shout out mm -hmm. Shangela, who's on Dancing with the Stars now. And yes. I, wanna, I do want to say they asked me to do um, Amazing Race, me and Marissa. And I was, I said, no, because I'm like, it, it, just watching that show gives me anxiety, you know? So no, 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 no. Uh, what about this one? Steph? Jojo Siwa was on their last season, who was the first like same sex couple, which I was living for. Yeah. Oh my God. Of course. We love Jojo. Hey, Steph says, it seems like you're always on tour. How, how tough is it really being in a different city every night? I mean, you, are you eating McDonald's every night, Toddy? How do you stay healthy? I don't stay healthy and I eat the worst food. But what I love about being on tour is that like you're dancing so much that, you know, like you can kind of eat whatever you want at night and still be able to like fit into your costumes. Yeah, because your, um, your, your diet is like a toddler. You, do, you love a chicken nugget, right? Yes, she loves the cheeseburger. She loves the pizza. She loves the cinnamon sticks from Domino's. Oh all those things, oh like the waffles, one, donuts. Oh one cinnamon gosh. stick would just derail me for a month. <laughs> By the way, congratulations. I know that we're doing Final Five, but you look incredible. Thank you. Thank you. You too. I'm, you know what? I'm healthier. I'm, I'm off uh, medications. I'm just, I want to stick around here as long as I, as I possibly can. I do. We want you to. Thank you, my love. Uh, Cal wants to know, are you single and what's your type? I am single, but I have like someone that has caught my eye that I'm considering making me unsingle. And my type is like, I love a person that like stimulates my brain. I love somebody that can make me laugh. I love somebody who can make me be a better version of myself, but I also love a big booty. And I've done some really dumb things for somebody who just has a booty that's out of control. That's like the thing. That's my kryptonite. That's my weakness. <laughs> you like that big ass. Nancy wants, Nancy wants Nancy uh, wants says I know you uh you love Wizard of Oz you have a uh, Wizard of Oz tattoos why do you love it so much it was just the movie that I used to watch with my mom and my grandma when I was young. And I think I always identified with Dorothy and the fact that she didn't feel like she belonged where she was and like went on this crazy adventure and met, 
you know, three like also broken characters. I think the fact that those characters all feel broken in some way and all have the thing that the other person doesn't have and help each other get it. Um, and then also realizing that like, if you don't have a home, whatever your home is to you, then is it all worth it at all? I just think the message of it is great. I love that it's not a love story and it just, there's so many things that it stands for. And I just love the music and going from black and white to color, which that was like such a new like technology at the time in 1939. So I just love, I love everything about it. Like I hear Some Over the Rainbow and I immediately get chills. Mm. I just think it's one of the best, most beautiful songs ever written. Francesca wants to know what's the most surprising thing about success? The most surprising thing about success is that you don't, feel any different. I always thought that if I became famous, I was going to feel different and I was going to walk different and the way I existed on the planet was going to feel different. And really it's just the way people treat you that changes. Like it, it, it doesn't feel any different. I keep waking up hoping to feel like a superstar someday. And I don't, I just feel like Todrick, but I have to deal with superstar problems, you know, yeah. and that's probably the most surprising thing. You know, I think we started this conversation of like, how do we just define you? We you know with, you know, the um, singer, dancer, choreographer, actor. Um, I think you should be a director one day. You directed Beauty and the Beat that I was in. And I just think you have such a, a talent for that. But I also think, you know, you are a, a beautiful work in progress, Todrick, and you're doing it in front of everybody, you know, and that's sort of um, maybe your greatest creation as we are talking, you know, about being kids, always trying to have to create, always trying to, to make things beautiful and interesting. I think you may be your most interesting, most fabulous, most beautiful production. I want you as my friend, I want you to just keep on it. I'm so proud of you. I am rooting for you and I adore you. I want to thank you for coming here, for sharing this real honest convo that again, I just have to say you could have put parameters <laughs> on and you did not. I want to advise you about that going forward. You should be telling people what they can't, they can't ask you about. after this. <laughs> um, okay. Thank you. I love you, Toddy. I love you so much. You're such an incredible human. I was a, such a huge fan of you before I got to meet you and knowing you and feeling like I can always call you. You never leave me on red. You always respond. You always show up. You're always honest with me. And that's a very, very rare treat in Hollywood. So I just want to let you know, I think the world of you and I'm so happy. You're so happy and successful. Congratulations on the partner. And um, yeah, I can't wait to build many more memories with you. Thanks for being such a great friend to me. Um, always. You always got me in your corner. Okay. Love you. We'll be right back. I love you too. We'll be right back with uh, my happy ending. The best thing I've seen all week. And welcome back to the show. And we have big thanks to Todrick Hall, who came here and completely open, you know, and, and let me ask a lot of the questions that I wanted the answers to, hopefully some of the questions you wanted the answers to. And, um, and thank you. Thank you for welcoming him just with like an open mind. So, Todrick, I love you. I do. I love Todrick Hall. And, uh, oh, gosh, it's time for my happy ending. This is the best thing I've seen all week. And I actually wanted to keep it in the reality TV world. Uh, there was this article uh, in on The Wrap. And it was 
what was it titled? 25 bonkers reality competition shows you forgot existed. Uh, but I didn't. Uh, some of these I watched. Of course, Joe Millionaire. Do you remember where there was a guy? It was a dating show, a bunch of women, and then one guy where he said like they, that he was a millionaire. But shh, no, he's 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 not. <laughs> Joe Millionaire was good. Um, and then there was this one. Do you remember a show called Mr. Personality? It was way back in 2003 on Fox. Uh, the host was a, a little-known woman named Monica Lewinsky, for reals. She she hosted this show on Fox, Mr. Personality. It was uh, one woman surrounded by 20 men who all wore, like, creepy metallic masks, and she couldn't see what they looked like. <laughs> she had to pick one to fall in love with. I mean, that's amazing. That's so great. I watch all of these. You know, I watch Love is Blind now. I watch... If you put people on an island and they have to choose somebody i'm in all these shows i all, i did almost forget about do you remember the swan back in 2004 this was another gem on fox this was amazing it took a bunch of women who didn't like the way that they looked and gave them complete surgical makeovers this took like months like everything from well they weight loss to nose job to new teeth to lasik surgery to and then there was like a beauty pageant at the end <laughs> this is like who thought of this is not okay but i did watch every episode <laughs> god let me tell you something i um i'm not proud of all the time that i have uh, spent watching reality television but i wouldn't change a thing to be honest because it's fascinating. And at the end of the day, like I started this episode with, I think maybe reality TV lets us tell a couple stories of people that maybe we would never have seen before. So for every The Swan or Bridal Plasty on E!, which was a real show. You know, that was a real show. Um, you know, there's amazing stories, but not just the one on 90 Day Fiance, those ones that I love so much. But you know, we're seeing people who have something to say other than what are you wearing? What's your latest movie like? You know, these people are telling us their stories about love, about loss, about triumph, about whatever. But I'm here for it. So whatever. I used to sort of keep my love of reality TV under wraps a little because I was embarrassed, but no more. <laughs> and I know I'm not alone. So thank you guys so much. Thank you for listening. Uh, I got to tell you, the people I, I, I'm booking for this show, I reach out on my cell phone and I text them and everybody so far has said yes. So coming up, just some of the most fascinating people out there. And I cannot wait for you to see who's going to pop by next week to say, hello, Ross. And until then, you guys, bye-bye. Hey, it's me, Ross Matthews. Thanks so much for listening. It means a ton. Make sure you like us, give us a good review, and subscribe wherever you listen to your podcasts. And you can find us on video at Cumulus Podcast Network on YouTube. Movies, TV shows, books, podcasts, and more. It's what women binge with Melissa Joan Hart and her friend Amanda Lee. We have Lauren Bosworth with us. Yay! The Hills. So what is like your number one question from fans? The primary question I still get asked was, what, is it real? <laughs> <laughs> In 2024, to me, is a surprising question to get because I feel like everybody has been through the reality TV gauntlet at this point. What Women Binge, wherever you listen.